0: It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for his return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Don't you love it when the answer is in the question? Pastor JD shares a parable today that follows this pattern. So much of the Bible is thought to be complicated, but when you look for it, you will always find the answer in the message. God speaks clearly and directly because He loves you and wants you to know Him fully. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update. To learn how you can become a Facebook friend, or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor JD with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 21st, 2023.
1: I just want to talk with you again today. And what I want to talk with you about is how the only way to not lose heart in this, the very last day in human history as we know it, is to persistently and tenaciously pray. I think you would agree with me that the profound increase of evil perpetrated on the global population in the world today is the likes of which we've never before seen. But God. But the God of the Word, vis-a-vis the Word of God, provides us with how it is that we can take heart in order that we do not lose heart. Can I invite you to join me in the gospel of Luke, the 18th chapter. I want to begin reading in verse 1. I want you to pay particular attention to the first, verse, uh, first word in verse 1. It's the word then. Understanding this will be germane to our understanding of this parable. So we're told, verse 1, Luke 18, Then he, speaking of Jesus, spoke a parable to them, speaking of the disciples, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, verse 2, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And verse 4, he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Translated, the only way I'm going to get this woman off my back is to give her what she wants. Then, verse 6, the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And, verse 7, Shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? It's important to understand that right after Jesus likens the last days to the days of Noah and also the days of Lot, he, here's that word, then teaches this parable about not losing heart. Can you make that connection? In other words, you guys, as he teaches this parable to the disciples, in the last days it is going to be so perilous. Perilous times will come. Paul writes, To Timothy and lists 19 characteristics of said perilous times in the end times, the last days, and those last days are this day today. And I want you to know that the only way you're going to survive, let alone thrive in these perilous times is to pray so you don't lose heart because it's going to get really bad so bad that it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Was it bad in the days of Noah? It was very bad in the days of Noah. The evil was unspeakable. How about the days of Lot? Unspeakable evil. And so he teaches them this parable, on the heels of likening the last days in which we are now living, to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And in a sense, what he's saying is it's going to get so bad, you guys, the only way you're going to make it is to pray. Otherwise, you're just going to give up. You're going to lose heart. This uh, parable, it's really a, a prophetic parable. It's a parable about the end times and the Lord's return. And it's unique for several reasons, chief of which is that Jesus, unlike the other parables, begins with the point of the parable before teaching the parable, right out of the chute. Verse 1, he tells them, us, what the parable is about. I like it when God gives us the test answers to the questions. So what's the point of the parable? The point of the parable is that of always praying if we're to have any hope of not losing heart and giving up in the perilous times of the end of time. Actually, think this through with me. The impetus for this widow's persistency and tenacity in prayer was her perilous desperation Because you have to understand, as a widow, (laughs) she's helpless, she's hopeless in her situation. And this was the impetus for her persistency and tenacity in praying and pleading for justice. She has been on the receiving end of evil, adversarial, injustice. And her only hope was this unjust judge helping her, meting out justice for her because of the unjust evil against her. And this is why it is, by the way, that Jesus is emphasizing that if an unjust, ungodly judge will mete out justice, how much more will God do so, and speedily. He will not delay, though it seems that He is. No, He will rush in and move, and justice will be served, and speedily. You know, this parable is a a kind of a tough one in a sense, because one can almost come away with this impression that, you know, God is reluctant. And here's J.D. He just keeps, he's really starting to bug me. He keeps coming to me. He keeps asking, and how how am I going to get rid of this guy? I just give him what he wants and I'll get rid of him. That's not at all the point of the parable? I hope you know that, right? No, the point of the parable is, if this ungodly, unjust judge will mete out justice, how much more will God? There's something else here, and I just kind of bear with me for a moment, but The question is not whether or not God will mete out judgment in the end. The question is, will he really find faith in the end? Did you catch that at the end of the the parable? So God is almost kind of like flipping it around, and you're asking the wrong question in a sense, rhetorically so, I suppose. Because your question is, your concern is, will this widow get justice? That's not the right question. The question isn't, will she get justice? That's a given. Here's the real question. When I come back, when Jesus returns, the question is, will he really find faith in the end? This is why this particular parable is about the end, when Jesus returns first in the rapture, and then second at the end of the seven-year tribulation, at his second coming. This is at the heart of the parable, in that It's a parable about the time of the end being so evil that absent persistent prayer, we will lose heart. This description of losing heart, barely hanging on at the time of the end comports with the letter in Revelation to the Philadelphia church. This church is one of seven churches on the receiving end of a letter from Jesus through the apostle John, which is also a prophecy. And by that I mean these seven letters, while to those specific churches in that day are prophecies for us concerning the end of time in our day. Kindly allow me to read this letter in Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make, verse 9, those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because, verse 10, listen, you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world, the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. That's the seven-year tribulation. Because you've kept my name, I'm going to keep you out of the seven-year tribulation. And then he says, verse 11, behold, I am coming quickly, speedily, Tacos in the original language of the Greek New Testament, where we get our word for our tachometers in the car. It's set time. A measurement of revolutions per minute, RPMs. I'm going to come speedily, quickly, when things are revving up. Are things revving up? Things are revving up. Hold fast. Hold on. Buckle up. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, verse 12, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. And then he ends, as he ends all the letters, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The common denominator between this parable that Jesus taught and this letter that Jesus had John write is that of persistent perseverance. Persistent perseverance. Specifically, persevering and persistent prayer that's proportionate to and commensurate with the perilous and evil times of this, the end of time. What do you mean? Well, let me explain. The way we pray today cannot be the same as the way we used to pray in the past, by virtue of the unspeakable evil in the present. And it's evidenced by how the widow in the parable had reached her end, which is what propelled her into this proportionate, persistency and perseverance in prayer. I mean, her situation, had it not been so perilous, it's doubtful that her prayers would have been so tenacious. You know how it is. I mean, think about it. When things are going good, what does your prayer life sound like and look like? Probably a lot like mine. Thank you, Lord. Bless them. Bless this. Bless that. Jesus' name. Amen. But then let adversity strike. Oh, God, creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. Oh, now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. This is so true for us in the sense that the evil of this last hour has risen to the level of warranting this level of persistent prayer. Now the question becomes, one of why it is and even how it is that we too can also be numbered amongst those of whom it said they always persist in prayer so as to not lose heart in this evil day. And I am keenly aware that whenever I talk about prayer, it has this unintended effect of guilt, the gift that keeps on giving, as one said. I mean, who among us has prayed enough? Is there such a thing? Whenever it comes to the the topic of prayer, the matter of prayer, there's always that sense of, man, I need to pray more. Yes, you do. But never imagine that God is in heaven going, I'm going to make you a man of prayer if it's the last thing I doubt. No. can you imagine? Think about it as an earthly father, earthly parent. Oh, i got to spend time with my father. i going to get this over with. i I got to talk to him. i got to spend time with him. That's okay, honey, sweetheart. That's, that's okay. Don't, don't, I don't want it like that. I don't want it to be a got to. I want it to be a get to. I mean, think about this. We get to and have unfettered access to God anytime. We never get voicemail. We never get the secretarial screen. Do they still have that these days? I don't know anymore. I don't get out much. He's always at the ready. Waiting, J.D., just come to me. Bring that to me. Why are you carrying that? It's killing you. Why are you so weighed down with that burden and that care? Cast your care on me, for I care for you. Just come to me. I have everything you need right here. Come to me. Let's talk. But we don't do that. We don't call on the Lord. We call everyone but the Lord. And by the way, can I just lovingly, and the Lord knows my heart, I just would lovingly suggest that sometimes the worst thing you can do is to call someone up and try to have them help you, because how are they going to help you? In fact, if anything, maybe I better speak for myself, they make it worse. Where's your faith? What's the matter with you? Oh, there must be some deep sin in your life. I'm sorry, I didn't realize I dialed Job's friend on. The Can I just take it a step further just real quick? I wonder sometimes, again, I'll speak from my own prayer life, from my own experience. I wonder sometimes if God allows that phone call to take place. So I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? Why did I even call them? And the Lord's like, I know. Why did you? (laughs) Hello? You've got my number. In fact, it won't even ring. I'll pick it up even before it rings. Because I know you're going to call me before you call me. So it's not going to ring, 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 ring. And then when he answers, by the way, it's never like, what? Oh, sorry, God. I, I know you're busy. <laughs> no, it's more like this. I've been waiting for you. Come to me. I love you so much. I want to share with you, it's not exhaustive, but several powerful truths the Lord has been teaching me about prayer over the years in my own walk with the Lord. First, by way of a preface, While prayer is one of the most powerful tools in our spiritual toolbox, it's also the tool that most of us do not avail ourselves of. And this for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that Satan knows prayer is the deciding factor in his defeat, which is why prayer is so difficult. This explains why it is that when you start to pray, all hell literally breaks loose. See, Satan knows when you pray it's game over for him.
0: We are so glad you joined us for this prophecy update on In Spirit and Truth. Do the things you hear about on this program cause you to feel unsettled? Perhaps there are too many things coming into play that make you stop and wonder if you're truly living in the end times. If that's the case, we hope that through these updates, you are reminded of God's faithfulness through His Word and that its promises will be fulfilled. This can be a benefit to you. Being around other believers can give you support regarding these things that are happening around you. If you're in the area and haven't found a church home yet, we invite you to come visit us and get to know the heart behind this ministry. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. If you'd like more information on joining us or for additional resources, go to jdfarag.org and scroll to the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you'll find a Calvary link that will take you to the church's website. While you're at our website, be sure to check out additional teachings from Pastor JD. Another interesting point of reference is a tab that says ABCs. This is useful for anyone seeking and wanting to find out more about Jesus and his love for you as an individual. That's all available at our website. Again, that's jdforrog.org. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor J.D. for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.